He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to golfok.org. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the 73rd Hole, Instagram 73rd Hole. I'm Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with me as always. And boy, do we have a treat for you today. A special Ryder Cup Friday show after the break. We're going to come back, talk about some of the early action in the Ryder Cup, see how we're all feeling as we're just about nine holes into the Ryder Cup. But first, we have a true American hero joining us here on the 73rd Hole. Wounded combat veteran Major Ed Polito taking some time for us on this Ryder Cup Friday. Major Ed, we certainly appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your week to hang out with the 73rd hole. How you doing today? I'm doing great. What a great day to be an American. And you know what? I've got dogs running around in this house barking. And <laughs> guess what? You know what? It's Ryder Cup week. And you know what? The game of golf is precious. And I'm just happy to be living the American dream. Absolutely. I wouldn't have it any other way than with a dog barking in the background and the Ryder Cup on. Uh, Major Ed, why don't you just talk to our listeners a little bit, kind of tell them your story, uh, where you started, what all you've been through, and how you got to where you're at now uh, with your different foundations and things that you're doing to help veterans, first responders, and so on. Well, the be- the best way to kind of address that is that, you know, on uh, for me, you know, I spent 20 years of my life joining the United States Army at age 17. And the great thing about that is a lot of people ask me, you know, instead of it, how was that? You know, you're in high school and you decided to join the military and, and really it took away a little bit of the stuff that I had, um, you know, going on in high school. And I was just I to help people, you know, one of the things that was inspiring was that I wanted to join the United States Army to serve the greatest nation in the world, the United States of America. Um, my dad's footsteps, a Vietnam era veteran who, of course, was well-decorated, came back from the war, and I learned a lot about what, you know, sacrifice and understanding the, the mission at hand and, and service to country. And to me, that's where it all started. And, of course, you know, I spent 20 years in the military, retired, and, and it was one of those things where you retire because, for me, I had to retire medically after hitting a 250-pound roadside bomb in Bakuba, Iraq. So, you know... At the end of the day, I would do it again, and that's the way that I got started with everything that I'm doing. And, and you know, fast forward everything to what is going on today and, and, and my mission in life, I will tell you that I took the, up the game of golf um, at, an, at an age where, you know, most people usually take the game up a little bit younger, but I decided to take it up at that time when after I'd been injured and, and went to an adaptive disabled uh, sports camp um, that was really structured for golf and I learned that you know what the game of golf can be good for my recovery and I was able to kind of get into it and now I utilize it as a way not only for philanthropy but for sport but for healing for recovery and for understanding and connection and the deal is you know it's a 3.9 billion dollar philanthropic community out there which really drives the game and also drives um, you know the activities and of course during Ryder Cup week you guys can understand this is a great, great time for golf. Uh, the matches are different, but it's just the ele- electricity. And I'll have to tell you about all of the Ryder Cups that I've been to because they've been honorable and they've been memorable. And certainly um, they've been game changers. Whether you win or lose at the end of the day, you just see the great game for what it's all about. No doubt, Major Ed. I'd love to hear those Ryder Cup stories a little later on. I just wanted to start this off uh, by just telling you, just uh, man to man, that I really relate to your story of perseverance and positivity. You know, uh, when I was going through cancer, while it was the toughest time of my life, you know, I I finally woke up with a why uh, of trying to inspire people to keep living during cancer and not lose faith, but rather strengthen it. And I feel like you live life the same way. Uh, How did you keep that positivity and how did you uh, kind of make new goals to motivate yourself to keep going and get to even bigger heights uh, than before the accident? Well, you know, that that's a great question. I w- I'm going to have to go back to the fact that, you know, the positivity was always there. I mean, from playing sport in high school to 
collegiate um, sport to, you know, knowing that, you know what, I wouldn't be able to move forward from that, but certainly I could uh, utilize the military as a way of sport because it is. I don't know a lot of people will tell you that, but you're talking about a team environment, a team focus, and and a team that uh, re- of resilient individuals that come together. And, and whether, you know, you think about it, and like I was just telling my good friend uh, who was in training camp, um, of course, uh, with the Steelers, and we were talking, and I was letting them know that, you know, one of the things that I, I've learned in, in this road of, of, of what I've been able to do in life is that I've utilized the, the game um, and the opportunity, as I call it, too, of understanding that the military is just like some of that stuff. And as we were talking about the warrior spirit on the, on the gridiron, and that was specifically with the NFL, some of the NFL pros I was talking to and, and uh, my good friend Curtis Lofton, I was telling him that, you know, there's a lot of similarities. And, and whether you go to boot camp and that's kind of your training camp to some of the other things that you do to learn, you know, the plays and the understanding of, in our case, we learn, you know, training and rehearsing and all of those kind of things. That in, an, in an essence, that it brought the positive nature of everything that I went through I can I can relate it to to regular sport, the game of golf, and all these other things because at the end of the day, there's a preparation, there's training, there's understanding, there's also teamwork, leadership. All of those qualities really resonate, and to me, that's the positive spirit. That if you ask me the question, just like you did about where did it all start, you know, it started as a young kid, but I will also tell you that it started when I wrote my book called Warrior for Freedom, and and in the in that book is exactly what. I love the word that you use. Perseverance is one of those words that I use as sentence of success, that those words, resiliency, uh, perseverance, integrity, um, you know, that all of those words really resonate with me. And, and, and what I call the 12 uh, steps or 12 tenets of success that have made me who I am today and that drive me to where I'm going tomorrow. And I will tell you, I just spent some time and I'll end with this. I'll spend some time with my dad in Florida and one of the things that he said is that, you know what, he said, I'm very appreciative of, of your understanding of those tenets of success that you use every day. And, and right now, he said, I'm terminal cancer, but you know what, I use those same principles in my, in my days of, that, are not, that are very numbered that, you know, I can still continue to go on and, and be on this earth and contribute and, and pray and, and, and help others. And I was just like, you know, in awe with a man that's that's going down, but certainly understands that, you know what, his faith is his driving force. And to me, that is the positivity of who I am and what I'm all about. And that is living by faith and living by love of country and certainly the love for our families. You know, Major Ed, you, to kind of piggyback off what you're saying there about having faith and positivity and everything, I feel like one of the most misunderstood things in the world is, is mental health. And, you know, reading about uh, Warriors for Freedom and all the great work that you guys do, one of the main things that you put emphasis on is mental health and uh, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. So can you kind of talk about what you've seen throughout your work about how important the mental health can be? Because we can all get caught up with the physical aspect of it because we can all see that and everyone else can, but no one else can see what's going on inside of another person's mind so kind of talk about how that has had an influence on you and all the great work that you're doing well you know that's a great point because you know as you relate to the game of golf and I'm going to relate it to that because of course this is your show and and that's important to relate that but one of the things I've learned too and talking to a lot of the PGA professionals um, out there I know a lot of them on the tour a lot of the champions tour guys too Bernard Langer I'll give you an example when I spoke to him he said you know what my physical attributes, um, if I don't have my mental health in check, those physical attributes will cause me pain and cause, cause me hardship and certainly will cause me, uh, you know, strokes there on the golf course. And I think to me, when I did a, a, an event with him, it really kind of changed my mindset of the importance of mental health um, as a way of making sure that the brain is connected in the right ways. We're always stimulating it. And that's what we do with our military now. And that's a great question because mental health is one of the number one things that I think we're seeing out there with traumatic brain injuries and the way that the game of golf can be very therapeutic for that. But also the fact that with PTSD, it's the same thing. There's a group called Salute Military Golf Association. And what they're able to do is get these veterans out on the golf course 
the concentration behind that, the cognitive use of, of the clubs and making sure that, you know, you're able to concentrate and, and hit the ball down range and, and use different clubs to make sure that you get to the, you know, to the hole and you're able to, you know, basically whether you par out or you bogey or whatever it is that, you know, it's fruitful to understand that you're not only doing that, but you're exercising the body and the brain and you're at a nice country club and, and you're understanding the, the opportunities that are at, at hand for you. And that to me has been the biggest therapeutic process. I wish that every veteran that has come back from the war has a, could experience what I experienced at places like La Quinta Country Club out there in, in California or Pinehurst or some of these other very, Medina is another example, very therapeutic places, very difficult places to play. But the thing about it is that that's what's so powerful is that this brain is stimulated and the brain is connecting. And certainly um, you're having a opportunity to be around other people, which causes what we call peer-to-peer support and peer-to-peer function, which then in turns um, helps with the, with the brain and the mind and, and the body. And I think to me, that is the key to success for our veterans. And I, my hope is that I'm glad that you guys are bringing it up because that's what we want to talk about. And that's what we want to educate people about the importance of understanding those principles. Yeah, absolutely. Major Ed Polito joining us here on the 73rd hole. Combat wounded veteran, American hero here on Ryder Cup Friday. Major Ed, I want to talk to you about your foundation that you've got going with John Daly. The John Daly and Major Ed Heart of a Lion Foundation. Uh, talk some on your website about the mission to provide mental, physical, and wellness support to our nation's children, first responders, and America's veterans. So while taking care of the veterans, you're also looking out for children, first responders. How did you get hooked up with John Daly, uh, and what all are you doing with that foundation? to try to help people well it's interesting uh, john and i met have known each other for almost uh, 15 years and it wasn't until about now uh, uh the, actually it was whistling straights ironically uh where he threw his club out there in the water um that we met <laughs> and we kind of connected man and we i was sitting there with mr kohler it's a really cool story and um of course i was working with folds of honor at the time and he comes up and i don't know really nothing about any of those people, you know, in, in the sense that I'm just kind of new to the game in that regard, because what I'm saying in new to the game in that regard is I'm sitting there at the PGA championship. And of course we're talking about some of the world's best golfers and athletes sitting there. And of course, John Daly doesn't do very well. And he comes into the clubhouse and he sees me and he's like, Hey, major Ed. And after that, he came out and he hung out with me and Mr. Kohler right there in that a beautiful view where you could see, um, you know, the golf course. And we sat there and we talked and we became friends. And then about a year ago, actually, in October of, of last year, he summoned me and said, and it was a little bit before that, he said, hey, Ed, um, I've got cancer and I've got to leave a legacy. And what do you think about us joining together and joining forces to do something? And I said, you know, John, I have a great job. And he's like, well, I really need you to think about that. And and really understand that I would love for you to run my philanthropy efforts. And so I joined my good friend, Chick Linsky, who was used to be the, the big guy of Budweiser and took us to the Super Bowl and all kinds of stuff. And him and I just joined forces and he's good friends with JD. We do the PNC championship every year. And you guys got to have me on for that because that's the father and son. Uh, Tiger ridden and played last year. It's a great, great event down in Orlando, Florida. But anyways, one thing led to another, and he said, I said, well, what would we call this, John? And he says, well, you know what, Major Ed, you're the heart, and I'm the lion. And all of a sudden, that was the way the heart of a lion was created. And now I've joined John on his philanthropy efforts, and I usually go out on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays for the Pro-Am, do my thing, and then come back home. And that's kind of my schedule now. And you know what? At the end of the day, John is a, has a huge following, has a huge heart, and certainly he's a good golfer. And uh, little JD is over there in Arkansas too, so he's following in his dad's footsteps. So it's a pretty powerful story, and and you know what? It's it, it's interesting. John has got got a lot of things back on track, and you know he's had a hard life too. But you know what? That's what makes him who he is. Real. 
that's just awesome. I love that heart of a lion uh, story right there. I, I, hey, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask any uh, John Daly stories. I, have you played golf with him any major ed or has it all been kind of off the course just tell us a little bit more about jd behind the scenes because we all get uh you know the legend stories of john daly but who is he really behind the scenes well it's funny you say that because it, you know we're we're hooked in with a group called square shoes and i don't know if you've heard of them but i'd love to have them get on your show at some point uh for the listeners but if you haven't gotten square shoes let me tell you something so it, what i say about that is that john of course, and, and you see the square shoes on the golf channel, but John, of course, is endorsed and, and, in, and he's wearing the shoes. But when I played golf with John, one of the things that I had problem with is just basically striking the ball with my left, with my left leg. Basically, that's the amputated leg. And in doing that, you know, John has showed me the way of, of utilizing the golf club, being able to drive the ball. And it's funny, I want to tell you how I play. I actually have four clubs in my bag that I really use the most. The other ones I just are just part of the of the <laughs> of the travel bag. But you know, I use that driver, that seven, the pitching wedge, and of course the putter. And the reason is because I tee it up in the middle of the fairway, but you know what? I'm able to reach the hole and, and that's part of the growth of the game. And that's what John told me that you know, as I was learning as I was continuing to evolve in the game, he said, Ed, just have fun go out and play and just have fun. And he says, you know, it can, this game can get very tricky psychologically, but for you, just go out and have fun, entertain people, and you'll have a great time. And that's what we did when we just played at Sioux Falls, I, uh, um, South Dakota. And that's exactly how that went. And we played at a, a lot of various events and pro-ams. And he loves what I do. And all the people around me say, man, that's so cool that you're just teeing it up and and you're hitting the ball straight and hitting it towards the hole and, and you're having fun with it. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a key thing that we could take away today is, um, from John and what he's told me is have fun with the game. And you know what? At the end of the day, no matter what score you have, just improve on it and improve and improve. And you'll become a very good player through that process. I could not agree with you more on that, Major. That's what the game's all about is to, is to have some fun and just enjoy what, what it brings to everyone. And you mentioned at the start of the show that you had some uh, pretty good Ryder Cup stories to share. Um, me and Colby have been having to listen to Sam talk about how he's been picking the Europeans for the <laughs> last it three months. Maybe American Major Ed that I picked the Europeans. Oh, that's good though, man. Hey, you, well, I got in trouble in Medina when uh, when I was over there hanging out with the European team and. Yeah, that was. I don't know if you recall that Rory McIlroy came in late yep. <laughs> in a car. And, right. <laughs> um, I was hanging out with Sergio Garcia, you know, and and Sergio gets sometimes a bad rap about his communication skills and all of this. But you know, I sat there and talked to him for a while, and you know, of course, Graham McDowell, all those guys, man. I tell you what, they're really good stand up. That and that probably was, even though we lost in Medina, that was probably my favorite Ryder Cup, man. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that, but the energy, the electricity, um, the crowds, um, that was interesting. I mean, I will say the ball hollow was also awesome, too. Um, we got a chance to meet Muhammad Ali, President Bush. Uh, Colonel Rooney was at the time in um, serving a tour in Iraq, and I was kind of one of the honorary people involved there. And, and it was kind of the launching pad for the Folds of Honor Foundation because we had a lot of the uh, what I, one of the things that I learned about the in my experience with the Ryder Cup, everybody that goes there is who's who. I mean that ticket is a hot ticket, and not just for the fans, but for all of the people in the industry. And my good friend, like Tom Carpet said, and I just saw him in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He's a rules official with the USGA. He said something very powerful. He said, "You know, the Ryder Cup is a game changer in that it's." It, it, even though those matches are so powerful um, and it's against, you know, one country against, you know, well, one side of the pond against the other, that that's what makes it so unique, but it's the world's best players. And to see Ricky, uh, you know, to, to see, you know, Mickelson and those guys in the past play, um, I don't know. I was just taken back the uniforms, the, the electricity, the opening ceremony, You've never been, man. That's one of the things that I would say is a bucket list. And, and 
the older you get, the more you appreciate it. And I think to me, those are the best stories. But the final story I'm going to tell you is I got in trouble at the Ryder Cup up and specifically up in Medina. And my good friend Mike Bean drives me right up to the freaking front. <laughs> and then we get to the front and all of a sudden they escort us to the back. And I parked in, uh, I think it was a uh, CBS sports um, uh, parking space. And it may have been, someone like Jim Nance, and I can't remember who the name is. <laughs> but I told Mike, I said, park right here, our rental car. Dude, we were right in the road. And then there's a, a golf cart that comes, takes us up, and they're like, hey, I can't remember who the celebrity was, but they said, hey, you guys are the celebrities. And my friend Mike said, no, it's Major Ed, the celebrity. All of a sudden, they take us on the golf cart all the way to the front, and they're all there in the putting green and – of course, we go to the opening ceremony, and we're right there. It was – the reason I tell you that story is I didn't even have a lanyard around me. <laughs> and we had access to everything, and it was just the most incredible thing. And if you talk to my friend Mike, he'll document it because he's like, I, will, I have never, ever been to a golf event, and he's gone to a lot of them, and I've gone VIP style like this. And it was incredible, and, and I'll never forget it. Once you go VIP, you can't go back, Major Ed. I, th- I think that's one thing we all know. But I want to get back to the first thing that you mentioned. From from what I understand, you may be the main contributor as to why the Europeans were able to come back at Medina. You're up there, out there pep talking Sergio and Rory and everyone. So, I mean, what what did you say to him to be able to come back from a 10-6 deficit? Well, it was funny that you say that because we were talking there, right? I don't know if you know, the Medina Country Club is just an old-school place. It's beautiful, man. And you drive up, and there's a circle driveway. And then, of course, the putting green was right there. And we're just sitting there in the putting green. And I have access to all of that. And I'm just walking up. And it was Sergio. And I'll remember this because he comes up to me, and he's like, hey, I want to just say thank you for your service. You know, these are the Europeans. And he comes up to me, and he says, thank you for your service. And then, of course, you know, Steve Stricker is there, too. Um, all of the, uh, you know, all these high profile players and even Rory McElroy. And so Rory and I get to talking and of course I'm telling him about, you know, my trip to Ireland and, and, you know, cause we had just went and it was just like a very, very stoic and powerful moment. And the thing about it is the Europeans that year were, they were, um, they were on fire, man. And remember they came back on the U S I mean, it was going down to the wire Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, I've had an opportunity to be around Tiger as well. Um, you know, and that's a little bit of a different story because Tiger can be a little bit hot and cold sometimes, but he's just focused, you know. So a lot of people don't understand that, all that. But having said that, what I learned about that experience in the Europeans is they were very loose that week, and you could see it. Like, you could see it in their eyes that they were focused and ready to go. But they were, you know, stress can play a huge role. And if you remember, I think it was, you know, the Stricker – if I recall, missed some had some heavy putts that should have gone in. And, you know, when you're just not on your game, I'm not saying that he wasn't on his game, when you're not on your game as far as a putt is concerned and you miss it, it plays a little psychological warfare on you. And that's kind of what happened. And the Europeans were able to come back and, and win. And uh, I hope that that's the, the story because I remember a lot of that vividness and it just happened so fast. But um, it was really interesting. And watching the opening ceremonies yesterday was really powerful because it brought back some memories of some of the other events that I'd been to in the past. A lot of great stuff there, Major Ed. I'm curious, you talked about some of the great golf courses you've been, and it's almost a cathartic experience at some of these places. Give us maybe your top three or top five. Let's go outside the state of Oklahoma. We know we've got great golf here. Where have you been nationally or internationally? Which golf courses that have most taken your breath away? Well, I will tell you that I'm going to start out with, um, there's probably like a top five, but my trip to Ireland playing uh, Bally Bunyan and then, uh, you know, uh, Tralee and Waterville, I will tell you that those are breathtaking golf courses. Not very long golf courses because you can play them really fast. Um, uh, Royal County Downs was awesome too. And then you get to the United States, and I will tell you that, you know, it doesn't get any better than the Pinehurst's of the world. Um, you know, I've done a lot out there in Pebble Beach because that's incredible. Um, Torrey Pines, um, as, as a, for a public golf course, is, is a very powerful golf course. I've played some great stuff in Scottsdale, of course, Medina, and then 
you know, you go up north, and I will tell you that, um, you know, uh, the courses in New York and New Jersey um, are just powerful. I've been to those uh, events where it was the PGA Championship. Um, and, you know, there's uh, – I forgot the one in, in Pennsylvania. There's a really tough course in Pennsylvania. Marion, the Mink, uh, Yeah, Oklahoma. Marion. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's very powerful. But then the one that's really kind of tough, and we haven't played a championship there, um, you know, I would say it's up there in, um, in, in the Detroit North area. Um, and um, what is it, Oak? Um, oh, I, sometimes, you know, the brain doesn't work pro- properly, but it's up there in, in Bloomington Hills, um, and um, they call it the monster. What are they? Uh, Oak anyway, Lawn, Oak Hills, Oakland o- Hills? O- 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 Oakland Hills. Oakland Hills, that's yeah. what Oakland it is. Hills. Yeah, yeah. They played PGA. Man, I tell you, they that's call where, it the uh, That's where Padraig beat uh, Sergio. Yeah, at. exactly. Yeah. It, exactly. And and let me tell you something. They played a PGA championship there, and I, I did an event which was so powerful. I actually got, um, and I posted on my Facebook page, I actually got a chance to play and be uh, around Arnold Palmer wow. and Andy North. And it was funny because I'm sitting at the table and Arnold Palmer, he'd flown in uh, from, um, I believe, Latrobe because um, he was in Pennsylvania and he flies over for this event and, of course, the programs the next day and um, and we're and I'm the speaker, and I'm sitting there, and he looks down, and he's like, "Now who's this Major Ed?" And I was sitting there without uniform, and I'm I'm not even doing my speaking engagements like I do these days because I'm you know I'm seasoned now. But um, I can't tell you that I wasn't a little nervous because I was like, "Man, what am I going to say?" But you know what? I told my story when I came off the, the, the platform after speaking, and then of course Mr. Palmer speaks right after me. And he said, you know what, I have to follow that. That to me was kind of like a very powerful moment for me in my speaking abilities because I, I broke down, I told my story, but I was there. And then the next day I played golf and he didn't he didn't play golf. He actually rode around that day because he was, you know, in his age. But it was just a great moment. And I actually hit it. Uh, I putted, I believe, in uh, it was the last hole on 18 and he was there and I remember putting, and it's an uphill deal. I remember BJ Singh sunk it up and and nailed it um, at that event that we were at in the pro amp. And all of a sudden, I putted in, and and I putted from about twenty. It was about twenty feet, and I nailed it. And it was just like a deal where they all clapped and stuff. And it was probably my best putt of the day. But you know, I felt good, and it was just a moment that I'll never forget. Absolutely. That's pretty awesome. So I, I'm wondering then, you said you were a little nervous with Arnold, Arnold Palmer there and everything. What is the most starstruck you've been? I don't even know if you still get starstruck, but maybe when you were starting out or something, you walk into a room, somebody's there, you're talking to somebody and you're just pretty blown away. Like, wow, I'm really here with this person right now. Who was that person? Well, I got to tell you, it was uh, Jack Nicholas. And I was at, um, I played in the Pro-Am out there at Spy, as a Spyglass. I believe, and um, and then we played um, the, the uh, course um, right next to it. I mean, it was like a three day event with the, uh, uh, the the Northern California PGA, and of course, then we played Pebble Beach. And I will tell you that the most remarkable moment was because we were switching off, and I was going from team to team. And I actually, this is a cool story, man. On I, I believe it's hole seven. Is that the one that you hit into the ocean? The ocean's right there, and it goes down, and it's a par three. Yeah, and so I I hit the ball. I teed it up with a driver, and Mr. Nicholas says, you're going to use a driver for this? (laughs) And I said, yes, sir, watch. And I hit the ball, and I'm like, I whacked it into the ocean. I said, that's for Ben Laden. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That is awesome. And he loved it, and it was just like the most (laughs) remarkable. And he's like, Unbelievable! That's what he said. And I have a picture of him, and and because that night we had we had to get ready, and he was the speaker, and they did a firehouse chat, and I will tell you, it was the most powerful firehouse chat I've ever been around. Um, and I got a chance to get up there for about five minutes, and they asked me some questions about my work with Folds of Honor and the work that I was doing for veterans um, at the time, and. It was just an opportunity to be on stage with the, you know, I mean, with the man. And I, I only say that because I've never been starstruck like that, but it was more of like, you know, 
I, I met, I, how did I get here? You know, and that to me is something that happens to all of us is how did you get here in this moment? And that's one moment that I'll always cherish. And to hear his stories um, and the history of the game and the things that he's experienced, some of the things that maybe we don't know, that's what makes it so unique and that's what makes it historical. Adrian, I think that's the greatest story ever told on this podcast by far. I can't wait uh, to play that over again. That's for Ben Laden. That is absolutely awesome. Adrian, I only have one last question. Uh, obviously, uh, we're big Faraday fans here, and I know that he's done a lot of work uh, with Folds of Honor and stuff like that uh, for veterans. Uh, do you have any Faraday stories that you can share with us? Well, I do, man. It was so funny because I'm uh, I'm at another PGA championship, and I can't remember. It may have been Oakland Hills because we were in the booth, and it was interesting. Uh, we're in the booth with um, – and there's another gentleman that used to be in the booth with him, um, and and he's um, – it, it, he, I think he's retired now, but that was when uh, Barry was working for CBS, and I, I, we walk up to the deal and, and we're going to talk about Patriot Golf Day. And I walk upstairs to the booth and it's interesting because David Faraday sees us and it's me and Ramon Padilla who's missing an arm. And then there's my other friend who's missing two legs and we're in the booth and he's like, oh my gosh. That's a, and you know how he's, his, his accent is. He's like, oh my gosh we're the only ones with all our, our, our limbs. And it was just so funny because as he's coming, he's like, Oh my gosh, we're being, we're being overrun by a bunch of amputees. <laughs> and if you would have, if you would have played that on the air, I think probably some people would have gotten mad. But the funny part about it is like, as I, we as I, we walked in and he said that I said, well, you know what? Hey, today, today you're handicapped too. And that's what we said to him, and um, and it was just one of those remarkable moments. And he played with us, and I believe he said something on the air about us and, and our amputations and his funny stories. And and you know, if I've been around with him with other funny stories, but when you when he tells you that you know that when he asks you about mental health and everything, he's like, you know what, I'm mentally ill too. I've got issues going on in my brain all the time as well. It's just like, you know, he's a real dude. And I know that he's gotten some flack for some things. But sometimes, you know what, I'll take somebody real than someone not real. And that, to me, is what, who Jim, uh, who David Faraday's all about. You know, I, I remember very famously one of uh, Faraday's uh, best, one of the most real quotes I ever heard from him was that when he was talking about his drug problem, he said that uh, his coworkers didn't realize he had a problem until he showed up to work sober. And I thought that that was extreme. I mean, that, that, that is one of the most true things that anyone could ever say. I mean, it, it just because it's so Faraday, but also at the same time, it's so true because people deal with stuff that's so serious like that. And to stay kind of on the serious uh, here, no, or serious note, Major Ed, um, to talk about a little bit of the scholarship stuff that you guys do for the uh, spouses and children of all the uh, fallen and wounded uh, veterans out there. So kind of just dive into that and all the great work that you're doing there. Yeah, well, just, yeah, exactly. So, uh, Folds of Honor, of course, they get scholarships. They just did 6,000 scholarships for the families of fallen, wounded, and disabled. Go to foldsofhonor.org. And then I represent, of course, John Daly Major at Heart of a Lion Foundation. Go to jdme.org and learn a little bit more about what we're doing there. Uh, the great thing, America's Children, uh, St. Jude's Boys and Girls Club, First Responders, and America's Veterans and Their Families. I took that leap of faith really to kind of guide myself in, in doing something very powerful, not only for John's philanthropy, but also to empower and support those, those uh, individuals that we're supporting in that endeavor. And then, of course, Warriors for Freedom Foundation, Oklahoma-based, and they're doing some great work on mental, physical, and wellness, too. And now I'm working actually with a group called Force 50, and we're changing the way we do business as it relates to healthcare. So to me, my life is busy, but I'm very thankful that I have a family. My daughter's at the University of Oklahoma, and, you know, I'm going to go address the golf team down there soon because, you know, um, I've known those guys a long time. And, you know, Oklahoma's a great state, and OSU has a great team as well. And how great it is that we live in a, in a state where golf is, um, is a very, very um, great um, sport and a sport that everybody loves. And, all the great golf courses that we have and a big shout out to you guys and your show and how great it is that, you know, I've known, I, I've known daddy Humphrey for a long time, man, Hump man. And, <laughs> and I knew him from the BBJ days, you know, and I've known them for a long time. And real quick, I'm just going to tell you this story because this is a story that you probably don't know. It, you know, when, uh, when I got injured, it was BBJ and 
and and dad and all kinds of other people that came to my my support and I just want to tell you, you know what, this is not just a, a show for you guys. This is your life. This is your vision. This is your mission. And certainly I want to congratulate you because you never know that what lives you touched. And certainly, um, you know, Daddy Humphrey touched my life. And, and so did BBJ and so did so many other people. And I mentioned those people because at the end of the day, radio lives and radio sport and, and, and talking about sports on the radio is, is truly important. So keep up the good work and, God bless the United States of America, and as I always say, hoorah! Hey, we really appreciate it, Major Ed. Thank you so much for joining the show today. And, yes, all of our listeners, please go uh, help Major Ed get involved uh, with all the great things that he's doing. Uh, Thank you so much, Major Ed. I think all of us uh, agree that this was probably the best show we've ever done. Yeah, I don't know how you become more of an American hero than helping American heroes whenever they get back from service (laughs) in our country. Major Ed, we are all eternally grateful for your service, and we owe you a debt of gratitude. You and many veterans like you us, our great sponsors, all of our great listeners. Uh, we sincerely thank you for your service to this country, and we appreciate you taking some time for us today. Well, do me a favor. Look up Square Shoes and Encore Golf Balls, and maybe we get you guys to throw you a little bone and have you guys have a sponsorship with them and have my good friend uh, who runs Squares on your show. I mean, it's just an incredible story, and the shoes are doing something big. So keep up the great work, all right? Absolutely. Let's Thanks, do Major it. Thanks. Thanks, Major Ed. All right. Hoorah. That was Major Ed Polito joining us here on the 73rd hole. A true American hero, like Taylor said, an American hero helping American heroes. That's as good as it gets. Uh, we appreciate him taking some time joining us here on the 73rd hole. You heard right there him talk about where you can go, where you can help. And also, uh, just get on Google. Google Major Ed Polito. His stuff will pop up. You can go help. He's always hosting charity scrambles, things of that nature around here. Get a team. Go play some golf. Go meet Major Ed. Uh, he's a great, great person, great guy to know. Uh, a lot of fun to be around, and we appreciate Appreciate him taking some time for us this morning. We're going to take a break, come back on the other side. The Ryder Cup is underway, so we'll talk about a little bit of the action that's taken place so far, uh, get Sam's early thoughts on his Europeans, how he's feeling today on this Ryder Cup Friday, that and much more as we keep it rolling here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on a Ryder Cup Friday on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Absolutely incredible interview there with Major Ed Polito. And again, uh, he told you how to get in touch and help with some of his foundations. Just Google Major Ed Polito. That's P-U-L-I-D-O, Major Ed Polito. I want to remind everybody as we head into this weekend, going to be watching some college football and a whole lot of Ryder Cup. Make sure you grab yourself a clubby and have a good weekend. The new missiles are out, which are supposed to be phenomenal. I've had the original clubby, which is great. I plan on trying the missile this weekend. It's a more drinkable version of the Oklahoma State the club special, perfect for a hot day on or off the golf course, specifically formulated for golfers of every handicap and make shooting any score bearable. The freshest, smoothest, leanest, greenest, number one seltzer in golf. And the freshest, smoothest, leanest, greenest, number one team on the planet is the Americans. Off to a good start in today's Friday session of the Ryder Cups. Obviously, there is much, 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 much golf to be played, fellas, but... I feel pretty good about what I'm seeing early on. Sam, I'll start with you since you did pick the Euros. 
Got a little Westwood Fitzpatrick pairing today that we're not so sure about. And Rory and Poulter, uh, I mean, they might as well go ahead and just retire and save some energy for this afternoon's match. Five down through five. How you feeling, Sam? Well, as we talk about it right now, you have uh, Spieth and Thomas are two down. DJ Morikawa are one up. Uh, then you have Brooks Kepka and Daniel Berger are one up. And then uh, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley are just boat racing. Rory McIlroy and the no, Let's go. no ball strike and no putting son of a gun, Ian Poulter. No. I don't understand why they put Ian Poulter in alternate shot. He's by far the worst ball striker in, in the whole Ryder Cup. I love it. Well, Sam, that does your argument would add up, except you bet me a pizza after the pairings came out. You picked Rory and Poulter, and I got Cantlay and Shuffle. Bre- breaking news, by the way, uh, Xander, Xander and Cantlay just made a par. And that is breaking news because uh, they're burning about 50% of the holes they play in alternate shot, which is not too shabby. This first match out with Rom Sergio, I mean, let's just talk about some of the pairings and what we'll maybe see this afternoon because by the time this gets out to people, uh, these, these morning matches will probably be over. I mean, we've got JT and Spieth. We've got Rom and Sergio. These are pairings I expect to be together moving forward. And this match has really been pretty good. It's kind of been back and forth. But the Euros have taken some control because Rom has made just about everything that he has looked at. Spieth and JT have been good, not great. And now they find themselves two down. So John Rom, number one player in the world. Sergio Garcia, arguably the greatest Ryder Cupper of all time. He has the most points ever at the Ryder Cup. Uh, that's turning into a doozy of a match between those four. Yeah, I mean... There's been five different holes won in that match, and they've all been won with birdies, and they're only through nine holes right now. Uh, so that's some really good golf. Uh, you know, by the way, let's start with the opening ceremonies. How brut- Speaking of how brutal Rory McIlroy and Ian Poulter are playing, how brutal was Rob Riggle uh, at the opening <laughs> ceremonies? It was bad. Dude, he, first of all, he had a cup. I like Rob Riggle. I think he's hilarious in the right setting. But The other I guys, mean, he had stepbrothers. Two, he had two hangovers. Years, the cup. Yeah, the of hangover, course, yeah. of course, of course. He had two, uh, you know, years to get this whole, you know, monologue together. First of all, the jokes didn't hit. Second of all, you might want to know the names of the guys you got to be announcing. Xander Shawfield? Is that correct? <laughs> In relation to Gary Sheffield. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was pretty that was pretty bad. But uh, uh, one interesting thing that came out yesterday after uh, the opening ceremony, Stricker did a uh, interview and said that Tiger Woods texted the team last night. And he said that he hadn't shared it with the team yet at the time, but he was going to share uh, a long text from Tiger Woods. Uh, and said that Tiger wanted to be there but couldn't be there because they didn't want him, you know, taking a risk of walking down a hill and, you know, re-injuring right. the knee and or ankle and everything. So, uh, I, I have a question. So, I'm the biggest Tiger fan on the planet. I mean, I, I eat, live, breathe Tiger. Yesterday, I tweeted out about the three-year anniversary of the Tour Championship. Mm-hmm. But just out of curiosity, is he texting them and telling them all the things to do to not win a Ryder Cup? Because... Tigers teams are one and seven and have lost their last six at the Ryder Cup. So I love me some Tiger and I love a good motivational text, but I actually am of the opinion that it might be good for the Americans that Tiger and Phil are no longer on the team because they were these titans that I felt like everyone else was under this weight to live up to the pressure of these two titans of the game and and they would crumble under that weight. And I almost think it might be good to just have all this young blood in there and kind of this new fresh wave uh, of rookies. Yeah, well, here's the deal of having Tiger and I, Phil. I mean, I'm joking. Tiger's motivational, obviously. No, but. I, I, I got you. No, I, I see what you're saying. And, um, you know, Tiger Woods was such a big legend that it might have made some of the younger guys feel nervous. And, and it, his personality when he was younger didn't mesh with the other guys uh, close to his caliber, such as a Phil Mickelson. I mean, you have a Tiger Woods who's so polarizing, uh, and then you have a Phil Mickelson who is, you know, polarizing in a completely different way. Uh, So that was a built-in, you know, hurdle for the Americans to get over uh, at the start of every Ryder Cup, right, Tito? Well, I mean, you can think about this, too. uh, uh, To answer your question, yes, absolutely. I think that just having, especially anyone who's a partner with Tiger, which I think is the reason that Stricker did so well. But think about it from an American player's perspective. How many accomplishments in golf as an American golfer, even just a golfer in general, can you have that you logistically have a chance of beating Tiger's record at? 
Like, no one – like, is anyone else going to get 15 majors? More than likely not. Is anyone going to get to 82 PGA Tour wins? More than likely not. You know what an American can do? Win some Ryder Cups. Yeah. Be, be a Ryder Cup hero. Yeah. Which is one thing that Tiger and really essentially Phil, for that matter, really say, wasn't able to do. I will say, like, some of it wasn't his fault. Like, first of all, he's played pretty well in singles in the Ryder Cup. Well, I mean and, – And second of all, you know, it's not his – fault that they paired him and Phil together when Hal Sutton was the captain. Yeah, but that was and, one time, And little though. things like that. No, all I'm saying is, and I, it's I not his fault. I think the pressure on his playing partner yeah, was too much. But that's not Tiger's well, fault. Well, no, I agree it's, that's it's not Tiger's guy, fault. It's the but. guy who he's playing with's fault for putting so much pressure on himself when they are Tiger's partner. Here's one thing that I think had to do with Tiger that a lot of people don't think about. Did Was 2018 the only Ryder Cup that Tiger didn't play all four matches the first two days? Um, might have been. I'd, I'd have to go back and look, I mean, but you I would think sure. so. I can't think of any time that he sat. And I mean, so you would, we, you we would think how, if he was healthy, he wouldn't be sitting. So you know how Tiger is with preparation and all that, so he's preparing differently for having to play 36 holes as opposed to 18, which as he got older, I think had a little bit to do with it too. Right, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's interesting that we bring up Phil because Phil, while he doesn't have the greatest Ryder Cup record, he does have one of the greatest moments in the history of the Ryder Cup. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Yeah, that, that's the American hero we've been waiting for. The iron into the damn hazard. Okay, so Ron and Sergio are now three up, but fellas, we got to talk about the guys who are sitting. Because sitting this morning, Bryson DeChambeau, Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, Harris English. I would imagine those guys are going to be run out in best ball, particularly Bryson and Scotty. And I tell you what. I think it would have been a really fun pairing to watch an alternate shot, but I think it could be a lethal pairing in best ball because if those guys have the putter working at all, it seems like those guys could make a bunch of birdies in a best ball. The whole deal about the USA team is they can't make many mistakes with these pairings, it seems like. You know what I mean? Like, you can pair a bunch of these guys together, uh, and they're still going to go out and looks like they're going to boat race uh, Europe in this morning session so far. But I say that, you know, Rahm and Sergio are three up. They, they were kind of projected. They were probably the underdog in that match for sure. Uh, they were, they no, were a they were slight betting. Vegas favorite. Were they both, really? But both teams, yeah. you had to you that's had to surpri- lay money on both it teams. It was minus 115, that, minus 105. That surprises yes. me. So it was basically a coin flip. But in my opinion, before the before I, I would say that most people were picking Spieth and Justin Thomas just because of the Sergio factor. Uh, and, you know, I, I found it interesting that Sergio teed off first, which meant that Rom would have the key putts there on the front nine to get the momentum. And it seems like it's worked out well for the Europeans so far. Uh, by the way, so, you know, we've seen Dustin Johnson hit some iffy shots so far. Morikawa seems to be on top of his game uh, and not hurting like we, we thought we might see. Uh, Brooks Kepka doesn't seem to be hurt. We saw him uh, hit a shot out of the uh, long grass over there by the ocean, so he seems to be healthy, which is good news. They're both one up right now, but and, and you know, a lot of people this morning uh, are questioning the pairing of Lee Westwood and Matt Fitzpatrick. And I, I am. Yeah, I'm I know. questioning it. Okay, but they're only one down right now through eight holes, and I think it's That's important. Not bad. I think it's important to get Lee Westwood out there I, while it may be a risk uh, of you know one point, but it, I I think it's important because I don't think he's going to play in best ball this afternoon. I may be wrong, uh, but just because of his age, I think he's only going to play either one match. He might not even play until singles. So, so you think maybe who sits this afternoon for the Europeans? Probably Westwood, Fitzpatrick, Poulter. Then they bring have one more. Well, I, I mean, do you, you leave you, one of the four? You, I mean, Beesberger no, no, uh, might not play no, today. No, uh, Harrington already guaranteed yesterday that all four players you sat will play. Yeah, he, really? guaranteed, okay. yeah, he, okay, he said he guaranteed that. Yeah, he said all twelve would play today. So I, I Westwood mean, and Fitzpatrick for sure sitting. I would say Poulter sitting. So then who's the next? You're not going to sit Rory. Are you're you not going to sit Rory, Rom, Sergio. Rom, I mean, if you, I, you would think you might sit Sergio because he's older, but you go out and you win that you first. Sit, you sit Casey maybe. Casey hasn't played great. He's been okay this so morning, wanna, that but he would, hasn't that played great. Pair, that would pair Victor and Rory in best ball. So, and a lot of people last or, or night. Or are they going to go Rory and Shane Lowry if they sit Poulter yeah. and then pair Vic with maybe uh, Fleetwood? Fitzpatrick? I, or, yeah. No, but it, here's what I'm saying. A lot of people were you know, bashing uh, those pairings that uh, that were the projected pairings for uh, I saw that. Justin Leonard. It's such a dumb thing to bash because – Obviously, you know, they weren't the pairings for this morning, but they could easily be the pairings for this afternoon and going forward. Uh, I think that, you know, 
Patrick Harrington definitely took a risk uh, of putting John Rahm and Sergio Garcia together this morning, uh, just based on you know putting and a lot of different things in alternate shot. But it seems to be paying off. And then if they could squeak out a win or have in this Dustin Johnson Morikawa match or the Brooks Kepka Daniel Berger match, it looks like they're going to definitely lose. Obviously, the Rory uh, and Poulter match, but. You know, if they could squeak out a half, I, I feel like that's a win for the Europeans. Plus, you got Lee Westwood uh, some sometime some time out there on the course because I don't know if we'll even see him again until singles. Well, and we always overreact to what happens early in the morning on the front nine. The reality is there's so much golf to be played. In 2018, the Euros went seven and one in the uh, in sessions two and three as we watched Paul Casey uh, oh. ram a 12 footer. Three, four feet past. Um, but it's been some good Ryder Cup action this morning. It looks a little chilly there. Might be a little tougher to get loose for some of the older guys. Might have some back issues. If you've got some back issues, head on down to our good friends at the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma. Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley are both avid golfers. They've got high-quality, individualized patient care. Dr. Beecham does non-invasive, and the Spine Clinic offers the capability to approach all options before surgery. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management, and he is double-board certified in anesthesiology and and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley received the honor of being listed as one of the top 20 under 40 spine surgeons in North America. I, Visit thespineclinicok.com, located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. I do want to bring up uh, an interesting stat uh, that came up, I think on the Golf Channel last night or maybe on Twitter, but 60%, a little over 60% of the time uh, that you win your opening match you win the Ryder Cup. Really? So, so, for instance, right now, that would be good for Europe. But, but, in but all also, honesty, I would think it would be higher than that. I mean, that's only 6 that, out of 10 instead of half, 5 out of 10. I figured it would be more than that. Well, I figured, but, I, but for the first session, I would think it would be. But for the first match, like today, if Sergio and Rom win, but the U.S. goes up 3-1 after the first session, then also the math is very heavily weighted in favor of the team that wins the first session. So, I, I would think It hasn't been for the Americans in the past. No, you're right. I mean, four of the last five for the Euros, seven of the last nine. So. And the USA always dominates the first session. Well, here, here, this is a good question so we can ask it without uh, going later with, with hindsight, knowing the result. W- what is the thought of going with alternate shot in the first first morning? I think it was a good he, I think it was a good move. Stricker said that he thought he had the better ball strikers, and it's better uh, historically for the United States. Yeah, but, but I mean, that, he but does that's have the better a, ball strikers. Yeah, but, that's, but that still doesn't decide why you change the time of it, though. Like the the reason I think it's good is because you go out and you win you you've dominated early anyway so let's see if we can go out and get early in the format that we don't do so well at and then in the afternoon have the format that we're well at because in in record history even if they just go two and two if the U S goes two and two this morning they they shouldn't have an advantage this afternoon in the I form, mean does it form. really matter. I think it does a lot. Um, because I, I think it matters who's because kind of like what Colby was saying, who's up in the first session. I think plays a big part in it. I mean, I guess it depends on who you're going to run out for each session too. Maybe Stricker did that strategically because he wants to run uh, Bryson and Scotty out in the afternoon. He wants it to be warmer. He wants them to be playing in warmer conditions. He wants them to be looser, be able to hit bombs and make more birdies, and send some more controlled guys out in the morning when they're all wearing sweaters and caps this morning up there in Wisconsin. So um, I don't, point. I don't know. The weather is really good this morning though. The practice rounds last. Last couple of days, winds was, were gusting into the mid-20s, maybe even to 30. This morning, they showed it earlier, it's about an 8 to 10 mile an hour wind, and it's not coming off the water. It's af- actually coming from inland out toward the ocean. Um, so, yeah, the weather's and been beautiful this morning. I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, this is the first Ryder Cup that they're allowing, you know, since the USA sets up the course. They allowed the Europeans to pick the whole locations. This I saw is the first that. Really? Cup yeah. That this happens, and they seem to all be right in the middle of all these greens. Yeah, there's a bunch of uh, bunch of good pin locations. Cantlay and Shoffley, five up through seven on Poulter and uh, Poulter and Rory. Poulter and Rory pulling out all the stops. They made Cantlay just put a one foot putt. I mean, come on. I mean, you're five down through six. You got to do something. <laughs> you're five down. You're pulling out everything at this point. You, you know what I'm I'm really looking forward to this afternoon in that Bryson and and Scotty Scheffler group hitting. Bombs. I mean, bombs are coming from the Bryce and Scotty group. How many times it? You have to assume Scotty's going to hit first, right? And then he's in play, and Bryson is just going to go full long drive, <laughs> just hitting absolute nukes. Here's my question: With let's just assume that Rom and Sergio win this first match, or three up with eight holes to play, they'd have to choke, and honestly, not to. Is is uh, would would we see Bryson and Shef- and Scheffler go out first? 
Oh, Bryson and Scheffler against uh, Sergio and Rom in the best ball? Well, we talked about it. Because, that would be electric. Because we thought the four ball was going to be in the morning, so we talked about Bryson going out, hitting that opening tee shot, and yep. drive the green. I, I think putting them out first would be a good idea, especially since it's looking like JT and, and Spieth aren't going to be the Captain America team that I thought they would. Even though I'm European, I got to give it up to uh, the U.S. They have some sick hoodies. Uh, U.S. looking clean this morning. Real clean. By the way, what y'all think of the uh, brown jackets at the opening ceremony? <laughs> Absolutely brutal. I, I thought they were it. terrible. I loved it. What? I thought it was great. Best, Why not? Best tweet I've seen it, probably all <laughs> month is that the Euros look like they were dressed for a James Bond yeah. film, and the Americans look like they were dressed for Clue. Even the wives, <laughs> like, they were wearing, like, skinny jeans, and the, the European wives were all wearing, like, fur coats. Like, it was, the, the Europeans just have way better style. I, I bet Europeans were, to me, by... By far best dress yeah, no, see, yesterday. That's just classic style, though. I'm not a bad. I loved what the U.S. wore. But you know why? Because, too, because it doesn't matter what you wear when you go out and win. But so. also, I think that uh, the Euros looked better pre-golf, but I think the Americans look better today. Well, the European, I mean, they're wearing light blue and khaki. I mean, what's the, I mean, it's a lot better than the burn orange from last year. I know that. The burn orange from 18 was brutal. We were talking earlier. We forgot that the Americans wore Texas burnt orange out at to Le Golf National and, uh, and busted the By the, the way, Americans. one of the prop bets uh, that I saw was you can bet on the color of pants that the Europeans wear on Sunday. Nice. Nice. What are you going with? Navy. Navy, Navy's a good one. Blue. It was just blue. Blue? Okay. Yeah, Navy falls under blue, so that's a good one. Uh, all right, parting thoughts. Everybody feeling good? Sam, you need a couple points? Honestly, you got a point I, and a half? I, what I do don't you... feel terrible. I mean, right now it's just going to come down to these middle two matches because it looks like this first match uh, is going to go Rahm and Garcia's way, and it looks like the last match is going to go uh, Cantlay and Shoffley's way, uh, most definitely. So, And right now those middle two matches, uh, the Europeans are one down. So if they could get a half or even a win out of one of those matches, uh, I think that's a win for the Europeans here in this morning session. Tyler, how are you feeling? I think it's, it's going to be very crucial to see if – Harrington may have been lying to us. Who knows? He, he might throw all the same eight people out there. Who knows? But let's just say that he throws four more in there. I think I think that's a mistake because I think you're going to have to sit someone who's – so are you, you're either sitting Sergio, Paul Casey. I'm assuming you're damn sure not going to sit Rom or Ho- – I wouldn't assume Hovland or, Paul, or Rory. So I think you're going to sit someone who's potentially better just because you want to get everyone's feet out there. So I think the Americans really need to take advantage of that this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Do we think we see Bryson and Scheffler together and Finau and Harris together? this afternoon I would assume yeah uh, or, or do we think maybe Finau and Harris have to wait until tomorrow well, maybe, I don't know maybe Finau uh, it, depending on how this match goes with Brooks and Daniel Berger Finau might step in with Brooks yeah Finau and Brooks could play this afternoon get a bunch of long hitters together in the best ball Stricker said last night that it, he said that it doesn't matter how they play during this session. That's what he says. The afternoon pairings are already set. So we'll, we'll, we'll okay. see how that's true. Yeah, we'll see if he sticks with that. Uh, by the way, Justin Thomas just left a 25-footer for birdie five feet short. I mean, it just wasn't even close. I love how everyone lives and dies on every shot yeah. in the Ryder Cup. A hundred percent. And and by the way, the course just looks unreal it good looks great. this morning. The fans are out. Everybody's uh, dressed in their, their winter garb up there in Wisconsin as it's not quite as warm up there as it is down here. But feeling good early. Ryder Cup always incredibly entertaining. Another big shout out and huge thank you to Major Ed Polito for joining us this morning here on the 73rd hole. He was absolutely awesome. Some great stories, some great foundations. Uh, make sure that you go back and listen to that. Give him a Google Major Ed Polito and help out however you can. Gentlemen, everybody have a great weekend. We're back Monday to recap the Ryder Cup. Sam, what, what you hey, got there hey, before we get out of here? Are OU and OSU playing this weekend? Yes, they are. Uh, I mean, yeah, both o- OU's got si- West Virginia at home, and OSU has Kansas State <laughs> I, at home. I'm talking about golf. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you were talking about football. I'm Seriously. talking about golf. They play at 6 uh, and 6.30. How, what is up with OSU on ESPN Plus? They, uh, the top OSU 25. plays Kansas State on ESPN Plus every year. Two years ago, they played K-State on ESPN Plus, and Chuba ran for like 290 yards. Kansas State's top 25 team in the country. We can't get that on televised TV? OSU's going to bust them. Uh, was it six and a half spread or something? Five and a half. I thought that was hot. OU plays at Colonial at the Nike Collegiate Invitational I, I, on October 4th and 5th. Uh, and then I got to so pull up bit. OSU. Hibble brought that up after they won at uh, at Merido, saying that that was their next tournament because it's a big boy golf course. So, so they went to Texas, won, came back. Now they're going to go to Texas, try to win again, then come back. Just trying to dominate the state of Texas. Anytime you can beat Texas, it's a good deal. Sorry, sorry about you, Parker. Oh sorry about gosh, you, Pearson. Dude, they can't make a putt. I, for one, am shocked that Lee Westwood missed a 15-footer. 
Uh, and I mean, <laughs> seriously, why does Westwood play n- the alternate shot, not the best ball? It makes no sense to me. Uh, just in we case, saw, you, just in case the, you need somebody to miss a five-footer. We saw it on the first hole. He had a five-footer to win, and it missed the hole by a foot. It almost went in Lake Michigan. OSU will also be uh, at Colonial. Ooh, nice. On October 4th Bedlam and matchup. 5th. And then so, uh, right after does that. Does it say who's hosting that? Tournament? On October 11th through 13th, uh, it is. And I, by the way, I assume that that. Colonial Tournament TCU will host. Yeah. Um, and then uh, on October 11th through 13th, the Big 12 match play. So oh, let's be, go. That, that is – Give me one. So do you and Texas still, so Texas still get invited Houston, to the Big 12 match Houston play? Houston Oaks. Houston little, Oaks. little Big 12 SEC challenge that week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. A lot of great Ryder Cup action going on. Everybody enjoy. Have a great weekend. We're back Monday. Thanks for listening to the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Kepka Golf Oklahoma. To lose the hole. Hoorah. <laughs>